amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Love Hour. I am your host, Miss Kev on stage, and I'm joined by my husband and co-host. The Kev on stage. Welcome to the Love Hour podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of happiness. We have with us a very, listen, I've been excited since August. I actually went back through my emails to see when I first reached out to Emily, and it was like back in August. And I am so freaking excited to have you here with us today. And like I said, that is none other than Miss Emily Nagowski. Thank you. Yes. I'm excited too. Um, she is the author of Come As You Are. It is, I'm looking at the wrong camera. It is a phenomenal book. It's literally changed my life and I mean that like my life out exaggeration my life too Emily I just want to shake your hand big fan (laughs) of your work and the work that you're doing in others amen amen father God we bless you for what you put in I told her that we were churchy oh my God you did a new work new (laughs) creations um so Emily I want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself Sure. I'm <laughs> Emily Nagoski. I've been a sex educator for about 20 years. Wow. Meanwhile, um, you look all yeah. of 25. 42. <laughs> Are you really? Got very lucky genetically. Mm. You uh, look fantastic. You look well, great for 42. As soon as my hair turns gray, I will stop dyeing it blue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I am a big nerd. I always have been. I love brain science. Mm. But. Uh, when I got to undergrad, uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to grad school, but I have no idea for what, so I need some volunteer work on my resume. Uh, and a guy on my floor said, come be a peer health educator with me. And I was just like, I like health, why not? <laughs> so I did, and I started going into residence halls and talking about condoms, contraception, and consent. Mm. And even though I love the brain stuff, and I sort of had this plan to be a clinical neuropsychologist and work with people with traumatic brain injury and stroke, the work I was doing as a sex a sex educator, and then as a sexual assault educa- pre- sexual assault prevention educator, mm-hmm. and then as a sexual assault crisis responder, mm-hmm. the more invested I got in that work, the more I realized that stuff made me like who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a way, the intellectual stuff just never could. Right. So that's the path I chose. I got trained as a sex therapist and realized I do not have the special magical something that it takes to like sit in a room with a couple and go, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You got a different range And how did you feel? I, I, I'm an educator by temperament, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm also a by woman. By temperament, I That's love good. that. That's good. I, like, I, I just don't have that thing. I do have the teacher thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, being a woman who likes to be in charge of things, I was like, well, then I should get a PhD. <laughs> so I got a PhD basically in public health, concentration in human Wait, sexuality. Wait, you Dr. Emily? Yeah. You ain't lead with that? I know, right? Oh, yeah. 
Doctor E, don't just disrespect me by going first name. Doctor Emily, you earned that. I am very much a person that believes in um, recognizing and respecting the degrees that you have. So, if you want, we can definitely call you Doctor Emily Nagowski. If you enjoy it, you can. But I, once you get through the doctoral process, you realize how it's really just training and how to conform mm. with culturally constructed you know how many pastors i know that just got an honorary divinity degree they're like that's a doctor amen pastor. right i know yeah. but you they just get it it's a doctor <laughs> yeah. amen. right so so call it in respect <laughs> we're all standing <laughs> yeah I feel like the more seriously you take school, by the end of it, you're like, oh, well, that was really yeah. very limited in yeah, what it taught yeah, me. Yeah. Um, so I got a job at Smith College. Uh, I taught a class called Women's Sexuality, which was uh, intense. And I put all this science in this class, and the student pushed me really hard, and I pushed them really hard. And at the end of the class, my last question on the final exam was, just tell me one important thing you learned out of all this science. And I had 187 students more than half of them just wrote something like, I learned I'm normal. I'm normal. I'm not broken just because I'm different from other women doesn't mean there's anything wrong yeah. with me. I don't know if you've ever graded final exams, but um, it's not like this usually. I was in my office grading with tears in my eyes, yeah. feeling like something important had happened and I wanted to do it again. Right. And I wanted to make it accessible to people who were not just students at this school. Mm-hmm. So that's the day I decided to write Come As You Are. Wow. That's a great origin story. And then four and a half years later. <laughs> that was only four years ago? No, that was uh No, from the time it took her to, yeah. to write it came out in 2015. Got it, got it, got it, got it. And okay. so it's been out for almost five years now. Wow. Which is, And so this is what I do now is I travel. I've been from Maui to Moscow teaching anyone who will listen about the science of women's sexual well-being mm. so that people can know that they are normal, they are not broken, they're not diseased, and uh, the more they can embrace and accept their sexuality as it is, mm-hmm. the more access to expansive sexual pleasure they'll have. Expansive Ooh, sexual good. pleasure. I like that word, and I like that feeling. I... <laughs> Number one, after I read your book, if I could say my biggest takeaway, and it sounds like that was purpose by design, was this literal exhale moment. I am normal. Mm -hmm. I am broken. And often when I've ever led um, or we've done Love Hour Live, if you guys have ever attended, one of the biggest messages that I give is you are normal and you are not broken because that was such... A, a moment of relief for me mm-hmm. that I ensure I want to ensure that I'm always passing that along. If you are in any class with me, I want to make sure that you know you're not broken. There is uh, one of the things you said in your book is there is a, basically like a spectrum of normalcy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so just because you're on this side and I'm on that side doesn't mean either one of us is broken. It just means there's a spectrum and we're all normal. So very good, powerful stuff. I didn't know that story of your um, how the book came to be. I knew the story of I'm normal because I remember watching and I was like, I was the same girl. I know why they wrote that because I felt it, too. But I didn't realize that kind of was the springboard to, to the book. Very good. Anything else you wanted to share with us? 
I think that's the okay. That's it. Story. Okay, I am um, anyone who knows anything about me. If you haven't joined my book club, child, you need to. But you guys know how freaking excited I am to have Emily here with us, and we're going to have a rich, dense conversation about sex, child. All of the things, accelerators, brakes, human human uh, giver, syndrome. giver syndrome. I want to say human growth syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> we finna talk about all the things but before we get there i want to tell you because we're talking about women and all of that i want to tell you about third love we just hit emily to third love yes, she says she went and did taught a class and she wanted to take that bra off at the end of a 10 hour day and mm-hmm. if you are a woman who's ever worn a bra you know that feeling you be in the car, unsnapping and running it through your shirt. We've all done this. We've all done this. We've all done this. And Emily literally just asked me, and I said to her, third love is the only bra. And I stand by that. I mean that, like, sincerely. Um, the only bra that I do not have that immediate get this off of me. I want the day to end feeling. Um, and so I do genuinely love third love. And I don't know that I've ever said this on the podcast, but I just shared it with Emily and I just realized I need to tell y'all this. If you are a chocolate sister and you are looking for your shade of nude as in a bra, because if you get a nude that's not your skin tone, but then you wear a white shirt, it's going to like it's not going to show nude under your shirt. And the reason why is because the contrast of your skin versus the bra is what you see. So you need something that's actually going to look like your skin. They have a bra in the shade nude that looks more melanated than not. So that's a plug. You're going heavy black girl hands on this. I am going heavy <laughs> black girl hands because I do want you guys to know. So all you guys have to, all you need to know is that you can go on to their website. They offer more than 80 sizes including their signature half cup sizes you need to take your um, uh, fit finders quiz it only takes about 60 seconds seconds and it helps you identify your breast size and shape and finds the bra that fits your body third love knows there's a bra for everyone so right now they're offering our listeners 15 percent off their first order you're just going to go to thirdlove.com slash love hour love hour right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. Again, that's thirdlove.com slash love hour for 15% off today. All right, so we're going to jump right in. Everybody ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the first thing, um, what we want to talk about is, I think we're going to start with accelerators and brakes. Yes. Okay. And um, actually, I'll allow you the space to kind of explain what are accelerators and what are brakes. Sure. So the mechanism, oops, sorry. The mechanism in your brain that governs sexual response is called the dual control mechanism. Mm-hmm. If it's called the dual control mechanism, how many parts does it have? Two. 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 <laughs> Dr. Nagowski. Dr. Nagowski. <laughs> Put some respect. <laughs> so, and if I tell you that the first part is a sexual accelerator or gas pedal, the second part's going to be... A brake. The mm-hmm. brake, right. So the accelerator is the part most of us are already familiar with. Yeah. It notices all the sex-related information in the environment. This is everything that you see, hear, smell, touch, taste, or crucially, think, believe, or imagine. And it sends the turn-on signal. Mm-hmm. 
think, believe, or imagine. Yes. That was good. So fantasies or ideas, emotions, uh, and it functions at a low level all the time, including right now. The fact that we are talking about sex vaguely is just a little bit of sex-related stimulation. Yeah, so yeah. there's just like, a little maybe bit tonight. Hopefully tonight. of turn-ons. Like, that actually is a thing that happens is that people tend to have sex after they talk to me. What you doing tomorrow? <laughs> Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, March, April, May. <laughs> so just a little bit, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of sex? A little bit of sex-related information. Oh, so just it. a little bit of turn-on signal is being sent. Got it. Fortunately, at the same time, in parallel, your breaks are noticing all the good reasons not to be turned on right now. Everything that you see, hear, smell, touch, taste, think, believe, or imagine that your brain codes as a potential threat. Okay. And it sends the turn-off signal. And both of them are functioning all the time. This is actually make You know how they say your brain's like a computer? That actually, that visual you just gave me, gave me that. Like, you know how RoboCop has that? Like, it's like, oh, yes, I, you know, kind of feeling sexy, but a little hungry. And break, you yeah. know, being hungry is more of a break. And then, yep. you know, eventually does it be like whatever wins more, your brain is like, all right, we, we are yep. in the mood of this. So exactly. your brain's just always assessing information. So some of that is your core release. Is that the thing, believe it or imagine? Like, oh, you know what? My, I, I, yeah. I, like, Melissa's a churchy girl, so she's like, I, I think this, but, you know, what will my mother think? Or what will he mm-hmm. think about me? And this is a break for yourself. Yeah, right? if you get trained from early on in your life to believe that sex is something to be ashamed of or hidden or controlled, then that's teaching your break to be on sort of all the time. So by the time you do get to a sexual situation, your break is on because you've been taught that anything sex-related also hits the brakes. So that's like a handbrake. You driving with your handbrake on. In fact, there are actually two different types of brakes in our brains. There's the uh, foot brake that responds to things that happen in the moment. My mm-hmm. classic example for that is like you're in the middle of doing things and your grandmother walks into the room, oh, brake slams on slam right Slam on the brake. Nana. Yeah, just shuts. Unless that so is the flexible. thing you are into. I didn't know. I took you out of gymnastics. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Love Era podcast, Emily. <laughs> That was Just, a genuine laugh. You don't, you don't know what the visual that was in my mind because you don't know what my grandmother looked like. <laughs> was I talking about? The, the, the brakes. Yeah, the brake. yeah. So there is actually a handbrake. Oh, really? Which okay. is more of uh, the technical term is chronic inhibitory tone, where mm. just like the brake is just sort of on all the time. And this seems to be, we're not sure if people are born with it or if it's something that's developed really early on in yeah. life. But for some people, the if you try to drive somewhere with the handbrake mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. you m- can maybe get where you want to go. It's going to use a lot more gas yes. and it might be slower. Mm-hmm. And and you might start burning out the engine a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Yes. So learning yeah. how to release both brakes uh, is the most important thing to be able to expand sexual pleasure. Because usually when people are struggling with anything related to sexuality, desire, arousal, pleasure, orgasm, um, the usual advice is to add stimulation to the gas pedal with... Mm-hmm. Role play and lingerie and porn and all that stuff. And that's great if you like it. If it's for you, go for it. But it turns out when people are struggling, it's very rarely because there's not enough stimulation to the accelerator. There's too much stimulation to the brake. So let me, let me, that was a whole word, right? When you're driving your car, Mm -hmm. right? You've got to take it out from park to drive. Mm -hmm. So we've got some people who are smashing on the gas on a car that has in park 
foot on the brake, handbrake up. Yeah. Doesn't matter how much gas you put on that car. We ain't going nowhere. nowhere. So you got to at least decrease the brake enough into the drive to feel that. Yeah. And you know what I mean? So that actually makes sense. I, I feel like maybe subconsciously we were always taught lube, role play, nipple right. twists. You know, massage. You know, and those man, things we, are great if you yeah. like them. You know, but you know, massage. We try to massage. We go like, oh, your booty sore. It's not. It is to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> but if you're all brakes all the time, oh yeah, there's not enough gas in the world to get there. And I think that's at least for the other person, the lower desire or the, uh, the higher desire to understand before you worry about the gas, work on the brakes. Yes. Because once your car, if you notice, if your car's in drive, no brakes. It'll move. I was talking to another couple, actually, and the guy was really into car racing. And he's, like, latched onto this car metaphor. And he's like, so what you're saying is, like, my job is to be the pit crew to make sure that the driver has everything she needs. Like, as she approaches the car, like, all her needs are met. The car is polished and taken care of. And, like, she's got nothing to worry about when she shows up for the race. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> if that's how you need yes. to put it into if your mind. If that is the metaphor that works for you, yeah. yes. Latch yeah, on, yeah. brother. That's Latch it. Latch on, Yes. Brother. But it is about taking away the stuff that's hitting the brakes. Yeah. And almost all that stuff has nothing to do with that, with what's actually happening in bed. And in fact, if you try to do sexual stuff too early when the brakes are still on, you can make the brakes even worse. We've all had this experience where... Um, I know tickling is not everybody's favorite thing, but mm. suppose you're in like a hot and heavy, sexy, playful situation and your partner tickles you, that could potentially feel good and lead to other things. Mm-hmm. But if you're in the middle of a fight with that same certain special someone and they try to tickle you. Can you imagine how mad you're like, girl, I'm sick of it. Coochie, what are you? Don't coochie cool me. Mm-hmm. You kind of want to punch a person in the face. Oh, yeah. yes, you do. A little bit. Because yeah. you would still laugh. Like, stop. Yeah. I'll sock you. Right, you do laugh. It's like when a person tickles you too long, it's not funny anymore. I'll hit you now. Yeah, like I'm done now. Yeah, exactly. It's not funny. So it's not the, funny, okay, Fat Tony? It's the same sensation, <laughs> right. but the context is different, and so our yeah. perception of the sensation is different. So if you touch your partner's butt when they are not there for it, it's irritating and annoying, even if they really love it when they're already turned on and you touch their butt. Context matters. Context is that everything. Is great. That is so, man. That's good. Because early in our marriage, when I was trying to um, push Melissa closer to my sexual excitement level, whatever, I would say, "But your body is responding," and I never clicked. That oh yeah. Just because your body's responding doesn't mean you are comfortable with it. Right. It just means your body's your body's basically just registering that as sexual stimuli that I am, you know, scientifically wired to think this is good. Right. That doesn't mean I enjoy it. Right. Right? Yeah, there's actually three different I'm gonna get a little bit nerdy here. Get there's soup go on. Three, We're both nerds too, by the way. <laughs> oh good. And our kids. It's just a whole family thing. <laughs> uh there's actually three Related but separable systems in your brain. One is the pleasure system. This is the opioid system that notices when things feel good. Yep. Like when you taste sugar, the mm. opioid system goes, yes, it feels mm. good. Then there's the wanting system, which is this dopamine system that spans all to all the different parts of your brain. And it motivates you to go pursue something. So pleasure comes first. Then desire comes in response to the pleasure, but yeah. they are separable systems. Yeah. And then the third system is the learning system, which, as you say, is like your body responds reflexively to something that it has learned is sex related. 
Got the accelerator it. gets stimulated, and so there's blood flow to genitals. Right. But that does not necessarily mean there's actually a really big range. Some people, their genitals are a pretty accurate reflection of how much they want or like what's happening. For other people, their genitals are no kind of indicator. Child, we on two separate pages. I, I feel yeah. like I'm that person. My body will say one thing, and my mind is like, you should chill. Because yes. we're not in the mood. Because even though the accelerator is being stimulated by sex-related stimulation, the brakes are like... I don't no. care that it's sex related. There's all this other stuff happening. There's dishes in the sink and there's a pile of laundry and the kid needs to do homework and no. Okay, so I have a question. This is good. Did you get all your things out? Oh, yeah. Okay. One of the questions um, that comes up quite often and one of the things that I wanted to talk about now, we have like our definitions of accelerators and brakes are um, number one, how do we identify what our accelerators are and then what our brakes are? So many people have like an intuitive sense, like you can just list off the top of your head, like surely there are some things, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. are like, that's the thing that works for me, that's the thing that works for me. Here are things that definitely, stress is a big one, body image is a big one, cultural messages about sex are big things that hit the brakes. Um, so you start with the stuff that's easy, yeah. then you get to the stuff that it depends on the context, like in the right context, this kind of touch will work, or in the right kind of context, this is going to hit my brakes, but not under others. And once you get to the point where that's as far as you can go, I really recommend that, what? She's having a mind orgasm. I am having a mind orgasm. I'm having a mind freak because you just spoke to something that's very true for me. Um, I always have a heart, and I think you just, I'm always like, God, I have such a hard time like identifying what my accelerators or my brakes are. But I think for me, it's because everything is context related. Yeah. So I can have a list of like, these are things that are generally true for me. Mm -hmm. But you also have to add the context for me to be like, that's going to work today. Because exactly. nine times I can't be asking. And he always wants me to be like, this will work every single time. I'm yeah, like, I need my foolproof. That, What's my foolproof? But I'm not What's a foolproof person. Foolproof is a larger context. <laughs> foolproof is a larger Foolproof context. is probably, now I'm just guessing, the Guess usual me, characteristics <laughs> of a context that allows a person's brain to interpret the world as a safe, fun, sexy, pleasurable place are low stress high affection, extremely high trust, and explicitly erotic. You get the first three down. So Man, That's a lot of work for the foolproof. That's <laughs> how hard foolproof and, is, yeah, especially yeah. if you have a person with a sensitive break. She yeah. needs to feel totally cared for and protected and supported and well-rested. Well-rested? Oh, know. you know the biggest hater? Sleep. I know. Sleep be <laughs> like, yeah, you think you're getting something not tonight. Eight hours Bruh, every day. that sleep is big on the brakes. That's yeah. got Donkey Kong feet on the brakes. But sleep be like, she be like sex, but also sleep. And here's the thing. Sleep is an actual biological drive. You can die from sleep deprivation. So your brain is really the one hating on you. Yeah, your brain is like, sleep is up here in my priority list yeah, right now. Yeah. And sex just gets pushed all the way down to the bottom. Yeah. Emily, this is Postmates. That's Postmates. That was exciting. <laughs> I have never seen a Postmates delivered before. I mean, he didn't respect the cameras at all. Here's the food. Shut up. Let me eat a little piece of that salmon. No, I'm joking. Seriously. Oh, Emily, I think that that was really good that was i had a moment i have had a lot of moments oh good as um i think another thing is when it's not the way you process mm -hmm. i have what i'll call gas privilege yeah it's not the way i process so i'm assuming this is the way you should process because this is how i think yeah so when you don't 
think like that, it's hard to understand someone who thinks like that because the way things register to me, you assume that for your partner and from, or if you have other sexual partners, you know, a lot of people who are uh, older or previously married or whatever, and they've had other sexual partners and this exact thing works for this person. Why is it not mm-hmm. working for you? But what's worse is this worked with you, my wife, yesterday. Yes. I had, we had a session. But today, it's not working. Today, the context is different. Exactly. It's not working. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's um, that's a good thing to think about because, it me, at least me personally, I tend to bear the, for no reason, Melissa, bear the brunt of her entire sexual feeling, right? And if it's not working that day, it's like, Kevin, because you know, it's been your time. You didn't do it right. You ain't hitting it right. And foreplay right. And loot, whatever the case is. And it yeah. could be something uh, from what you're saying. There's, first of all, way more factors didn't go into it than just foreplay. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And a lot of media is just like, well, this is what you got to do. You got to do this and you got to do it for so long. And from what you're saying, even if you do that, if these other factors are there and more prevalent, it doesn't matter what you do here. Yeah. What you do here can actually, again, make things worse if you do it in the wrong context. Absolutely. Because one of the things that you said is um, high trust. Yes. Uh, I want you to explain what you mean by that. I think yeah. this might be a really good gym if it goes to where I think you're going to say. Okay. I don't know if it's what Just you go. think I'm going to say. Just but, um, I, I great. There's a relationship researcher and therapist named Sue Johnson. Yeah, I, want, I shot my shot with her, Emily. I want her to be a guest on the podcast. I love her so much. Oh, my goodness. I love her so much. Uh, <laughs> so she defines trust by the answer to this question. Are you there for me. Mm-hmm. And R, of course, is an acronym, acronym for uh, emotionally accessible, emotionally responsive, and emotionally engaged. Mm. Trust, if you know your partner is going to be there for you, is going to be accessible, responsive, and engaged, especially with something like sexuality that requires so much vulnerability. Like, you might be taking off some clothes, Mm -hmm. you might be letting them see parts of your body almost no one else will see. Don't look at me, I'm hideous. Touch parts of your body, Mm -hmm. let them maybe put a part of their body inside yours. Inside! Maybe you're gonna put a part of your body inside of them. Or their vulnerable it is so I was just eating a cookie now I'm eating another cookie ladies (laughs) (laughs) like and if you get to that really vulnerable situation your partner's not a hundred percent there for you if their response is anything short of yay and wow and thank you then it's gonna hit the brakes and it's gonna shut things down trust is so essential with sexuality. Okay. Uh, so much. Okay, one thing that I wanted to ask is <laughs> how much of this, I know they always laugh at me when I'm just kind of like. She literally looks like she's I know, I get a lot of um, uh, information <laughs> overload. Um, how much of this also carries outside of just that moment inside of the bedroom? Literally everything. Okay, say more. So your body carries memory of how much this partner has been i will tell a story okay so i travel a lot for work if my partner and i did not schedule sex sex would not happen um so i travel a lot for work too what's scheduling Mm -hmm. it's important uh but this one time i got back from a very long stressful trip and you know it was saturday at whatever time and we had agreed, so we show up and we like get in the bed just like I tell everybody you're supposed to do. And the thing is, I was just so stressed and exhausted. I get there, put my arms around him, and I just cried and fell asleep. 
And probably there was some part of him that was like, huh. <laughs> but you know, he like he didn't let me know that. He didn't show me that at mm-hmm. all. He just was really patient. He stayed there in the bed with me while I slept for like half an hour. <laughs> oh. And and then we went and had dinner. And even though we didn't have sex then, it did build, like, he was so there for me. He was so supportive. He was so non-judgmental. He didn't put his, like, pouty needs, like, mm. well, you said we were going to have sex and we didn't get to have sex. Like, he just, I mean, he could have said you weren't a woman of your word. He didn't. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, in good faith, showed up and tried. And my body was just like, I can't. but you know what because he was so wonderful for me and so supportive in that it put like money in the trust bank account Uh, so like it made me more ready like you didn't get none today but but boy you set the stage you set the stage for me being ready for in the future to know for sure so my body carries the memory of how trustworthy he is how non-judgmental he'll be if things don't work out today yeah which actually makes it more likely that things are going to work out today that is i think that body carries them you are i see why you do this full time very good um (laughs) we were actually talking about how the body holds the memory esther perel has talked about it bessel van der kolk's book the body keeps the score is the book for any trauma survivor it's very intense but it's amazing that is that is really good and that and that even melissa and i we've had um days where it just doesn't work out and sometimes it's just better to say you know what hey, today's not our day yeah it's like a, a football team like you go out there with the best of intentions to win and you throw three interceptions and fumble the ball he's like man guys we today was not our today day is not our day you know we go back hustle up you know what i mean but i think what you said that i really like is even though it didn't end the way it was supposed to um your body now carries the memory of something positive and supportive mm-hmm. so it may not have been your day for sex but it was your day for trust and emotional support yeah which is more important to the overall sexual health of your relationship yes i worked with a couple actually i was running a weekend workshop and a couple like stole me at lunch and pulled me aside for an hour they had a new baby and they had not had sex since the baby was born like a year ago babies suck for that baby. um babies selfish. really do they're so selfish drain the sex out of a relationship <laughs> for a significant amount of time they don't wipe their own butt. They just sit there and they can't run away from here. predators if somebody chases them. <laughs> yeah, you leave a baby on the ground, he'll they be there. They smell weird. If you leave a baby on the ground, it'll just freeze overnight because they can't even thermoregulate. <laughs> <laughs> babies. You trash human. You haven't learned how to thermoregulate, you piece of crap. <laughs> if babies were not so cute, we would leave them by the side of the road. Yes. <laughs> That's all they are is cute. Yes. Freaking jerks. It's a really powerful tool, They grow tool, up and get though. mustaches and Adam's apples and they call you cringe when you do the shoot dance. <laughs> That's our 13-year-old. <laughs> Continue your thought. I know Kevin's going to They had sex for like a year. Um, and I was like, okay, so what has to happen is you have to take the pressure off. You have to decide you are not going to have sex for three months. It had already been 12 months. In fact, longer than that because her desire had gone down as the pregnancy had advanced. And his response when I said, you're taking sex off the table for three months so that you can create space for rebuilding your like sensual connection without sex. And he goes, ugh. And I was like, so pause a moment. How do you think it feels for her when she sees you make that face? And he was like, uh... So I asked her, how does it feel for you mm. when you see him make that face? And she says, it feels like I'm broken in the problem and I should just have sex with him to get it over with. 
Which is good advice. Right? (laughs) (laughs) And the whole point was he didn't want to have sex that she was just doing to get it over with just to satisfy him. He wanted her to want him. It's really hard to want somebody who's like, ugh, when are you going to want sex? It's so much pressure. It is. And then that pressure is internalized to the whole idea of sex. And now I just want to stay as far away from the whole situation. And And so it's counterproductive. If we switch it from desire and go to erection... If we get like a spotlight on a penis and are like, get an erection. What's the matter with you? Where's your erection? Get hey, an erection. Hey, hey get an erection. Wait, no. Right? I, you're exactly. looking at it. <laughs> ah, leave me alone. Exactly. It's too much pressure. Exactly. So it's exactly the same sort of thing. Uh, where's your desire? Why can't you just desire me? Why can't you just desire I'm sex? Why can't we just have the sex? Like, how about you back off? Yeah. <laughs> Then so maybe. True. And then we have to like very gradually make our way back to each other. And this is where it gets complicated because it's easy enough. Like if you haven't made a mess of your sexual connection, you can find your way back to each other. Like right. if you have been kind and compassionate and gentle and supportive when your partner hasn't been there because it, it wasn't your day. Mm-hmm. Then it's easy to find your way back to each other. But so often when there are disconnections in sexuality, one or both people takes it personally yeah. and feels rejected Absolutely. or feels pressured yep. or like they're a failure because yes. they don't want sex or because they're a failure because they can't convince their partner to yes. have sex. And there's all these difficult Am things building up. <laughs> what are you doing for Thanksgiving? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Shoot. charge of the turkey. Actually. <laughs> Man. I do a spatchcock and dry brine. <laughs> there's so much pressure that we put on ourselves. Yes. That may not even be the other person or anything like that. And it's not even necessarily like a sex issue. Like it's just all these difficult feelings standing between you and this person you love and respect and want to have a connection with. So before you can get to the sexual connection, you have to cope with all the feelings that are between you, which is very hard work. Yeah. And we're often not equipped. It's a totally different skill set totally from skillset. the actual having of the sex. The ne- yes. <laughs> and uh, oh my gosh, I hope that you guys are like getting all of these points because we covered like a lot. We did. It's just yeah. nutrient rich episode. Yeah, it is. But um, one of the things. Kale. Yeah, it is kale. kale. Yeah, it's kale very for your balls. dense in nutrition. Um, but one of the things I thought was so important was the idea. I've said this before and you just really, really said it good um was the importance of all of those things that happen outside of the bedroom before we even get here Mm -hmm. and i and i hope we've helped i know you just helped me really i am most definitely one of those people that just simply doesn't have a this or that this works this that that doesn't and that's very few people are it is a myth that people have like, well, just touch me here or don't touch me that way. And this is like the secret key that no matter what else is going on, that's the thing that's going to turn me on. It's very rare to meet a person like that. Inhale, exhale, you guys. Inhale, huge exhale. Not only are you normal, it is very rare that even somebody does have that. What do you that's think feel, is... That makes me feel good too because I'm like, man, man, I thought it was me. What do you oh. think is feeding those like why do we believe this like what do we hold on to uh, you don't have to go deep because that was a whole deep breath she yeah. took the biggest <laughs> breath like oh let me tell you when the answer boils down to patriarchy like there's a story to tell and just 
the fact is that we have been trained in a way of thinking about sexuality that's based on a mainstream pornographic narrative of the way men are supposed to work. And in this narrative, and this has been true for centuries in the West, women basically are like men, only a little broken. And the extent to which Facts. women are different from men is the way is the that women are, are broken. And we need to like medicate them or treat them or do something to make them like the men. And even the model of masculine sexuality we have isn't a true model of sexuality. It is, I have, so part of my job as a sex educator is to expose myself to as wide a variety of uh, sexually explicit media as possible so that when people talk to me about stuff, I do not react with any sort mm. of like disgust or Makes horror. Sense. I can just mm. be like... So somebody's like, I saw yep, Black Tail Volume 6 and you was like, let me tell you, I got Volume 7. <laughs> <laughs> I can just be like, that's the thing people watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I have read and seen all the porn every porn <laughs> porn you don't want to think about including antique all the porn. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is the notebook i created all the porn emily nagowski doctor porn doctor emily nagowski <laughs> phd um so where i see the masculinity script is in early 19th century english language porn it's all really terrible don't read it but like this is the script of men being instantaneously responsive mm. to like wanting sex all the time, taking mm. all the sex they can get. Women's consent doesn't matter. Women's pleasure doesn't matter. If a woman's body responds, that means that she wants and likes what's happening. Um, and it's all just a fiction. It's a script we have absorbed yes. without even knowing what the source was. Yeah. So true. If we knew what the source was, we'd be like, oh, well, I reject everything from that source yeah. because ew. Um, I want to tell you what I reject. Um, I reject sore feet. And sometimes <laughs> when you are standing all day, especially if you are a doctor or you're a hairstylist or any of these jobs, uh, even a, a bank teller, and you're on your feet all day, you understand the importance of a good pair of shoes that makes you feel like you are walking on air. And that's why I want to tell you about Rothy's. I have Rothy's. I have like the black canvas shoes. And I, literally when I put them on, I said, if I were a hairdresser, these would be the shoes I would wear because they are so lightweight. They are durable and they just make you feel like you're walking on air. I abs they're really great shoes for um like traveling and stuff like that because they're quick slip-ons. And like I said, you run it up and through the airport and we've almost missed many of flights and you want a, a good pair of shoes for that. Um, um, Rothy's are great because they are stylish, sustainable, comfortable, and washable. That's everything you need in one pair of shoes. They're the perfect flat on the grow shoes for your life. Uh, check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash love hour love go to rothys.com that's r-o-t-h-y-s dot com slash love hour to get your new favorite flats comfortable style and sustainability these are the shoes you've been waiting for head to rothys.com slash love hour today in my book club there were a few people um that actually tried these shoes out and they really loved it. i can't remember what her job was though but it was something that stands on your feet okay we're moving on um i also want to tell you about 
First Leaf. If you like award-winning wine, you're guaranteed to love First Leaf. It's 2020. Everyone is in celebration mode. You want a great wine to cheers to during your celebration, whether that's red wine, white wine, sweet wine, dry wine. They have the whole gamut and they allow you to test and try your palate to expand what you like so you're not just in a very nice restaurant asking for Moscato during your entree because people will judge you we've done that before and the lady was like oh you po thing we ain't gonna give you that we're gonna give you a real one okay <laughs> sign up with my link and you'll get an exclusive intro offer six bottles of wine for only 29.95 plus free shipping just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash love that's six bottles of wine for only 29.95 plus free shipping go to tryfirstleaf.com slash love love okay before we go back okay Emily has a Black Lives Matter. Emily oh. is amazing. I yeah. didn't even recognize it. Sorry about that. I didn't no, no, put it on. I was like, I'm not. I just, no. It's just the thing I wear every day. Sorry. <laughs> also, I wanted to go back to the patriarchy thing you said. That was One. so smooth. I really thought you were going to talk about how sore feet hits your brakes. <laughs> She's the master. We're all <laughs> in so competition. Good. Me, her, and Doughboy at. Uh, Segways, Melissa leads the league. In Everyone is talking amazing. about the one from last nope. week. It was yeah. amazing. Oh my gosh. So I was reading about sex, um, sex conversion therapy, something, I don't know, back when I was in college. And I didn't realize the term hysteria. Oh yeah. That term was um, hysterectomy. It was like if a woman liked sex, they called her hysterical. Right. Mm. And that's what they would do, hysterectomies on women who like sex. So. I don't know about the early porn. Was it like written porn? Because you said early 19th. Was that video? or In the 19th century? Like the 1800s? So it was written. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let me do my math. <laughs> I thought you were talking about like 1990. So think like Jane Austen era. Got it. Oh, like Got Victorian it. era. Earlier even than that. Earlier than Victorian? It was yeah. porn written? Oh, Yeah. I mean, the first thing we do with any technology is write porn, <laughs> like create sexually explicit media. We got laser like, disc. I got laser. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, one of the things I wanted to uh, kind of round out this topic on accelerators and brakes is um, funneling down a little bit and talking about how to actually... Are y'all done? I'm sorry. Y'all are children. Child. Joshua is laughing. No, I'm a child. I may not know. Hysterically. Ah, uh, the patriarchy. Ayo. Um, I feel like for lower desire people that your brakes consume so much real estate in your mind that it's hard to try to focus in and and, I, and forgive me if I'm not using the right words. Okay. Um, but try to like focus in, zoom in or tap on those accelerators. So can you give tips to those people? Me, Emily, give a tip mm -hmm. to me. Um, about, <laughs> I am the people. Yeah, I am the people. The people is me. Um, about how to like shrink that part of your brain and expand the part of your brain that is going to focus on your accelerators. So as far as the research is concerned, there's not a way to like change the sensitivity of your brake. So if you have a sensitive brake, you just have a sensitive brake. That's actually helpful because I feel like helpful. I've been working against myself this whole time. Yeah, okay. welcome really your brake as it is and look at the things that activate your brake and change the context, the situation like whatever on that break you you have whatever on that list you have control over 
get rid of that stuff. Some of it is easy stuff. Some of it is like being worried about being interrupted. Some of it is your feet are cold. There's literally research that shows that if you put socks on, I will buy socks with clamps on them. So to, I to knew, know a couple who, when they found this research, I was like, "Yeah, you'd like double the chances of having an orgasm if you put socks on. You've got double the chances." So the way they found, so in order to do research on what happens in the brain during orgasm, you have to have research participants who are willing to masturbate to orgasm in an fMRI machine. Oh. Have you ever had a brain scan in an fMRI no, so machine? Like Professor X, you, when you have celestial, sort of like that. <laughs> so, like, there's this thing that you're like lying down in this cold medical room alone with this thing around your head that's going dung, 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 taking lots of pictures of what's happening in your brain. Yeah. It is the least sexy Sexual. context in the universe. Yeah, yeah. Even among the people who volunteer for this study to try, only half actually get to orgasm. But one Dutch researcher found that if he let his participants keep their socks on, because otherwise they're just wearing a medical Johnny, mm. uh, he doubled the likelihood that a person could have an orgasm. Why? Because their feet were cold, it was distracting them. You put socks on, you release that at break, and it's enough to get them across the threshold. Because wow. the neurological marker for orgasm is not like an increase in the accelerator, but a sudden dropping away of everything hitting the brakes. So, wow. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Sometimes it's easy, right? Yeah. When I told this and to our room the, is always cold. A couple, just the way our house is set um, The woman had cold feet, and the guy liked uh, the sort of thigh high kind of look. Mm -hmm. So she got wool thigh highs. And socks? Yes. Wool thigh high socks. Sockdreams.com. And it, <laughs> it helped him visually and helped her warmth wise? Yeah. What Win, was the right? Sockdreams.com. I you want sock, socks with nothing socks. else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thigh high wool socks with nothing else? Heck yeah. He actually also really likes it when she wears his shirts. So that combination was that also. That man told his wife successful. I want thigh high socks had nothing. She was like, sockdreams.com. Yeah. Wow. Wool. Wool, warm wool is yes. sick. It's you know how warm, warm your feet will be though. I know my feet are cold right now. Okay, so <laughs> so so sometimes it's simple. Sometimes it's grit on the sheets. You change the sheets. Sometimes you're worried because there's one more dish in the dishwasher. Do the last. Have your partner go do the last dish because then they come back and you're like, I Hold feel. On, almost there. Almost there. Hold on. Hold on. You just go wash that dish. <laughs> sometimes it is the sexiest thing Clean. somebody can do. Oh yeah. He ain't got back to the bedroom yet. Okay. Just what about the hard stuff? So the hard stuff. Suppose it's body image stuff. Mm -hmm. um, this uh, Amelia and I. Amelia is my sister. Mm -hmm. We call it the bikini industrial complex. Okay. There is this cultural pressure for women's bodies to conform to a very specific aspirational ideal. Yes. And we have all been taught to hate and criticize and judge and feel terrible about the body parts that don't conform to the bikini industrial complex's ideal. And if your body, if you feel that way about your body, if you're feeling critical of your body, is that hitting the accelerator? Girl, no. It's just hitting the brakes. Um, so there's one of the best evidence-based interventions is very simply to like stand in front of a mirror naked, look at what you see there, and write down everything you see that you like. I did this. Did you? Remember, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, tell us. But um, in my book where I talk about my, I told you, Emily, I be knowing stuff and I just don't be knowing stuff. But in my book, I told you about the campaigns that I went through. One of the first things, I suffered with a lot of body image issues. I hated, you know, being this chocolate 
skin and just a lot of different things, low self-esteem, all of the things. So one of the first things I started to do, I call it my love on campaign. I found one thing every day that I decided I liked. I looked in the mirror and decided to love on that feature and concentrate on that. It's what got me into makeup. I decided I liked my eyes. I think I have almond shaped eyes and I think they're so nice. And I was like, I'm going to do things to accentuate that which I like about myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what got me into makeup. I started wearing eyeshadow and, you know, deeds to whatever I could do to like accentuate the one thing I decided I liked about myself. And it is an inoculation against the ongoing cultural messages. Because just because you found a thing you feel good about, then you're going to go out into the world and there's going to be a magazine at the CVS checkout. Or, Mm -hmm. I mean, just as a totally hypothetical example, you're trying on clothes for a job interview with your mom and you're like, this dress fits me with my body being the shape that it is right now. And your mom goes, but you're going to lose the weight, right? Mm. We inhale, we exhale. We, yeah. <laughs> totally hypothetical. Uh, totally, totally hypothetical. My mom is a wonderful human being. Yes. <laughs> and uh, my sister and I grew up watching her, you know, try on clothes at the store and crying at what she saw in the mirror. Mm. And what she saw in the mirror when she was 42 is very much what we see in the mirror now that Mm -hmm. we are 42. Mm -hmm. So uh, a second intervention is uh, this game a million I call the new hotness game. Like Will Smith from Men in Black 2, Old and Busted New Hotness. Mm -hmm. When we find something that, like, whatever it is, whether it conforms with the bikini industrial complex or not, we take a picture and we text it to each other and just say new hotness. Whatever it is that's going on, if it is new sweatpants or pajamas, new hotness. (laughs) I love it. So, uh, and again, it's inoculation because you're not going to stop getting those messages about how like broken and wrong you are, but you can remind yourself over and over again. It's great when it comes from a partner, but it's, I mean... Do we even believe it when it I comes know, from I was our partner? Say, I feel like it's the most empowering when you say it, it has to, to yourself. Come from you. It has to come from you. Yeah. You can't, you sometimes, you don't even trust that they're being genuine. They're just saying that. They're just saying that to get something. Right. They don't believe that. And none of it really matters if you don't believe it about yourself. Yeah. Right. That's, the, that's it. Exactly. So good. Um, trauma stuff. Uh, especially if it's a history of sexual trauma. Uh, what has happened is your when sex has been used as a weapon against you, your brain learns that anything that is sex related is also a threat. So anything that hits the accelerator also hits the brake simultaneously. And treatment is a process of uh, systematic, gentle, graded exposure is a technical term, which means that you let yourself experience just a little bit of touch and arousal in a safe context and your brain gradually learns, oh, I can experience this level of arousal and I am still safe. And then you do that, so you do that every day for a week and the next week you go to a higher level of arousal and you let your brain, this is what they do in therapy, it's highly effective, people heal from sexual trauma, they don't have to live with it forever. People recover all the time and- When you just said people heal, I felt people inhale exhale okay that was a powerful moment to tell someone that there is a pathway to healing because i feel like a lot of times people aren't going out to get help and so you often feel like i'm going to be this way forever there's no way i can be on the other side of this so i i hope that helps someone i felt it i haven't been through anything like that but i can imagine someone being like 
tears. And trauma shows up in so many different ways in sexual behavior. It may show up in a person as like, I don't want to engage in anything because all sex feels dangerous to me. It can also show up in, I'm going to have a whole lot of sex because I'm trying to like reclaim this thing in my body. So there's a lot of like doing sex without necessarily feeling pleasure because their body is still in a state Mm. of panic. Wow. So good. So it can look like a lot of different things and it, and all of them are just normal reactions to a very broken, bad, like that thing should not have happened mm-hmm. to the person. And your body's just trying to cope with be, having your body used against you as a weapon. Um, and when we can allow our bodies to experience the pleasurable sensations that are our birthright Ooh, in a safe context. Birthright? That's biblical. It's uh, it's actually Good Vibrations is one of the original feminist sex toy stores, and mm. their slogan is "Pleasure is your birthright." I like that. But I, I mean, we're given these bodies. Mm-hmm. We only get the one. Only get the one. And it has the capacity to do amazing things. Mm-hmm. And the most amazing things our bodies do happen when we are in connection with another person. We cross what scientists call a neurological bridge mm-hmm. out of your sense of individual identity into a sense of deep connection and embodiment that is the shared body of the two people. Oh, wow. People who experience optimal sex experiences describe so optimal sexual experiences are basically there's a a sex therapist and researcher named Peggy Kleinplatz Mm. who just sort of asked the world so who self-identifies as having really great sex Mm -hmm. and so she talked to people who have really great sex Mm -hmm. first of all the age at which they first experienced the great sex any guess 52 47 55 55? On average. Grandma! (laughs) That's why you didn't come to my basketball game? (laughs) Shut up. You having good sex? Wow. Didn't even need the gymnastic lessons. (laughs) (laughs) That was a great callback. That was a great callback. What are you going to talk about, Grandma? (laughs) (laughs) The hope that it gives us is it's never too Too late. late. So when you ask people, okay, so how did you get there? Step number one is they had to forget everything they thought they were supposed to believe about sex, gender, bodies, love, and trust. Dang. Start from scratch. Clean slate. Yeah, because all of those things are barriers making you feel like you're supposed to conform to some like social behavior, script, whatever. So abandon all that and just be like, what feels good in my body? Mm. What feels good for my partner? How do we maximize our access to the pleasure that we share when we are together? You know what? So as a man, as a black man, and I use those specifically, we're taught to be so masculine. Anything outside of the realm of masculinity is gay, right? Mm -hmm. So say you like a little gooch touch. It's close to your butt. It ain't your butt. It's a little gooch. The sensor of masculinity be like, you can't like that. That's gay. Whether your body is liking it or not, that's gay. If If you do anything other than like, Man dominated sex. Yeah, penis and vagina. I'm allowed to say. Penis and vagina. Even I was watching The Sopranos. Uh, they killed men for eating out their wives. Like that was considered weak mm. in Italian culture. Like you, you're weak. You're you know blah blah blah. If you do this and that, so so much of that is internalized. I remember I used to think you know eating a girl out was weak and blah blah blah. And then mm-hmm. I was in high school and these dudes were talking about it. They're like, nah, you got to do that. You got to please your woman. I was like, oh, maybe I did not know. Obviously, I wasn't even having sex at this time. But you, it's crazy how much stuff you 
uh, retain before you even start having sex. Mm-hmm. I was like, are oh, you weak if you do that? Oh, no, this is people. This is cool now. Like butt stuff, like eating butt. I don't know if you're aware of this, but I remember forever. I am aware of eating butt. I was oh, going to yeah. say she you're knows all aware. the things. Yes. The, the transition. All the porn, oh, remember? Yeah, 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 all the porn. porn. So I remember uh, Spoken Reasons was actually the first person I remember, a black guy who was like, I eat butt. Oh, yeah, I eat it. You know, and he was like, only in the shower, though. Right, this was like 2012, and people were like, "You, are you crazy? That's a butt. That's this and that." And then Charlamagne was like, "Oh no, I eat butt." And then a couple of people were like, I, "Men were like, I get my butt ate." Fifty Cent said about Vivica Fox, and now it's like, "Oh yeah, if you don't do, you know what I mean?" Like, so that's just an example to mm-hmm. me of how like society's opinion on something yeah. can 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 shape your personal mind. Yeah. So I like the idea that you say of just erase everything you ever thought. Yeah. Of. The marriage bed is undefiled. Because um, in both of those scripts, it's you're doing it wrong if you do do it. And then it flips and is like you're doing it wrong if you don't do it. Right, right. And the thing yes. is, you're not doing it wrong. You do it if you like it. You don't even know if you like it because you don't know what is you right. and what is How what is society. How do you society? Even know what feels like in your body? A lot of people get to their first sexual experiences really having no idea what pleasure even feels like women in particular yeah no i because we're trained to be the givers to be that our pleasure does not matter what matters is the other person is satisfied and happy took her virginity yeah exactly every time that's the answer (laughs) and so when women get to their first sexual experience they have no idea what pleasure even feels like and so when your partner is doing the thing and goes do you like that because he's a good person who wants to make sure you're having a good time but he goes do you like that and your only possible answer is your voice for him is funny do you like that (laughs) yeah that's (laughs) <laughs> so my, so my husband sounds like that's not what he sounds like <laughs> Melissa but, always does a funny interpretation of what men sound like too it's just funny <laughs> the only possible answer is mm-hmm yeah because ego if stroking say, yeah. if you say no he's gonna be like <gasps> yeah, my ego you, you have just be- like it is the worst thing you can say is that your partner is not literally the best sex you've ever had in your life right now right. exactly right so like what can and she so she's just like I she, I guess that's what pleasure feels like I, I guess, guess this is what sex is I guess when they talk about the pleasure of sex this is what they mean yeah so it takes a lot of like overcoming and exploring and figuring out what even does feel good which means first creating the context that lets your brain feel pleasure which leads us to the last like really big breaks hitter, which is the cultural shame piece. Ooh. I got a tweet story from someone who read Come As You Are who told me she watched her adult brother changing his newborn daughter's diaper. Okay. And when she was all clean and ready for the new diaper, uh, dad comes back over, he goes and gets the diaper, comes back and finds that his daughter is touching her genitals. And he goes, ah, uh-uh, don't touch that. Mm. As a baby. Little, oh, little, little baby infant. Like, yeah. And she's not going to remember this moment, right? right? But it's going to accumulate with countless other similar moments until by the time she gets to be an adult, she's she doesn't know why, but that part of her body feels like it doesn't even belong to her. Oh my god! So she has to go through the process of reconnecting with this part of her physical body, her anatomy actually does belong to her, and she needs to practice paying loving kind compassionate attention to that body part Mm. in order to like disentangle the knot of shame that she was taught to just replace her genitals with that shame that cat the disentanglement of the knot of shame 
That's what you heard, and I heard pet that cat. I know. That was such a beautiful yeah. like phrasing because I was explaining or sharing this with Emily. And if you've listened to any bit of the podcast, you know this as well, um, that I started using the menstrual cups, the menstrual discs. And at that time, I had so I had in inter- and didn't even really truly recognize mm-hmm. how much shame I had internalized about my own body mm-hmm. that I was struggling so much to like insert this thing correctly because I didn't want to touch or become familiar with my own body. It was a part of me that wasn't a part of me. Like it's on me, but it's not anything I'm familiar with. And that part of myself, literally I had to do the work of disentangling that knot of shame. All all of those, um, all of that messaging that I had internalized mm-hmm. to be true, that became a part of the fiber of who I am, was now impacting how I live my everyday life, and I had to undo that. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of work. It's and it's no fair. And it's no fair. You didn't Emily. get to choose what messages you were taught about your body. It is your body. <laughs> Not fair. It's not, it's not fair. It's fair. Not. There's a lot of anger that women have to like oh. allow themselves to move. Feelings are tunnels. You have to go all the way through them to get to the light at the end. You have to let your body release all like the frustration and rage and helplessness and mm. feelings of despair and isolation. Oh, you hit a neural network. I am now making feelings. room for tears. <laughs> I now have feelings. Oh, man, that was so good. I feel like I have gone through um, this tunnel and I've been angry. Mm-hmm. We, we, oh, I don't want to cry. I got to do this ad too. But I'm going to tell you, don't rub my back. You. I don't like it. Um, but I want, and I, but I am a toucher, which is odd. Dude, don't I am touch a toucher, her though. She punched Josh. Uh, one of the things, um, shut up, Kevin. One of the things that happens to me is. Dog it, I lost my train of thought. But while we're talking about learning and training, I want to tell you about Skillshare. Um, They are amazing. Legit, this is amazing. So last week, I will listen to the um, How to Develop Healthy Habits. First of all, one of the things that I thought was so good, this it's like an hour and a half like segment. And one of the things the guy was talking, I sent it to Joshua, Joshua listened to a piece of it, but he was talking about progress over perfection. And one thing that I have often said is that um, <laughs> perfection becomes a an excuse into paralysis. So we want everything to be so perfect that we don't end up doing anything. Yep. And what he talks about is going to, doing it anyway without perfection you end up learning that you were never going to do it perfect anyway you have to go through the motion in order to learn and then you grow you evolve and you get better and that was so encouraging to me because there are so many things you want I want to do so many things that you want to do I'm sure and oftentimes you don't feel good enough but you'll never be good enough if you don't at least start yes whole word Where's the tambourine? Um, And so that's what I want to tell you about Skillshare. They have tons of classes that allows you to explore and deepen existing passions and get lost in the creativity with Skillshare's online classes. What you find just may surprise and inspire you. I definitely left that little segment inspired. Skillshare is an online learning community where millions come together to take the next step in their creativity journey with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people on topics such as 
provides illustration, design, photography, video, freelancing, and more. Skillshare is a proud sponsor of the Love Hour. Explore your creativity at skillshare.com slash love hour and get two free months of premium <clears throat> membership. Premium. Because we only offer the best over here. That's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. Get started and join today by heading to skillshare.com slash love hour. One more time, that's skillshare.com slash love hour. One thing we want to continue the conversation, we were talking about brakes and accelerators. And um, one thing that I wanted to kind of put a button, I guess, on that topic was for those people that have very sensitive brakes, how do you overcome the brake sensitivities? <laughs> right. Okay. So where we were was saying that it's not that you can change the mechanism in your brain. Mm-hmm. What you can do is know what your brain responds to mm-hmm. and change the context as much as you can. We you talked did about say a that. whole bunch of things yep. that are typically hitting the brakes. Some of them are easy, some of them are more complex. You can also gradually shape your brain's sensitivity so that it learns that that's not actually a threat anymore. Ooh, okay. Um, and and that's the process of like graded exposure oh, like I was it. talking about okay. with trauma. Okay. That's, so um, another thing a really important strategy for people with very sensitive that that kind of like foot brake that just if there is a stray fingernail just the brake slam on and everything shuts down mm-hmm. that's if you have a sensitive brake that's a normal response okay a thing people do wrong in that moment is decide that sex is ruined they're terrible people and they can never do anything sexual and they start piling on the self-criticism mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm, judgment. Mm-hmm. The thing to do is just know, oh, that was my sensitive break getting hit by the stray fingernail or the stray thought or the stray sound from the other side of the door and like let that be true and focus on your partner for a minute while your break s- relaxes and it's like you can forget about that thing. and. It will all come back if you just don't criticize and judge. You let it be true. You notice your brain's desire to criticize yourself and be like, hello, self-critical thoughts. I can have you literally any other time. Right now, what I'm going to do is pay attention to the pleasurable things that are happening in the here Hmm. and now. I'm not going to judge and criticize. You confronted your self-critical thought and said, I'll meet you later. Yeah. But not now. Yeah, now is not the moment for I'm having sex right now. Yeah. I'm too busy experiencing pleasure. One thing that I actually really like about this idea is because what I heard you say is I don't have to wallow in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times what happens in that moment is you do feel like the the moment's ruined. I have to give it all up. And I now need to focus solely on this break. All of my attention goes from whatever was really good and happening here to this break. And that's it. Everything else is out the window. And what you're actually saying is that's not the case Mm -hmm. I I, there is a decision and that's part of it too you don't always feel that you have the power to make a decision you feel like you are held captive to this sensitive break to the noise to the fingernail to the dishes to the stress to whatever and you have to and what you're saying is that's just not true you just have to train yourself right to focus on something else the thing that holds people captive is their judgment Mm. of the mechanism if they so there's your feelings there's what's actually going on in the here and now and then there's your meta feelings there's Uh how you feel about about how you feel so how you feel about the fact that your sensitive brake got hit is what makes the difference so your sensitive brake got hit that's a thing that happens 
you can welcome that, allow that to be true, because your sensitive break is there for a reason. It's there to do a job. It's there to keep you safe mm. in case things are that not was okay. Encouraging. Like how gorgeous is it that you were granted this mechanism to be an alert signal in case things are not okay? Oh, that sensitive cry. break <laughs> is also the thing that's going to keep you alert in case like your kids are in distress or if like you know you're going to notice if something's not okay with your partner because that break is so sensitive. Mm. What a gift that is. And yeah, it can interfere with stuff, but that's okay. How you feel about it is what matters, your reaction to it. The only thing that holds you captive is when you believe your brain is supposed to be one way and it isn't that way, and so therefore you are broken. You're not. If you can release that script and allow yourself to be who you are, before we started recording, we were talking about um, a different way of approaching. If people are struggling with any aspect of their sexuality, whether it's having a sexual break that makes their sexuality function not in the way the script tells them it's supposed to, or if they're recovering from any form of sexual trauma, um, I always end up turning back to Rumi, who is this uh, medieval Sufi poet. Who also Beyonce's daughter's name. Okay, continue. Rumi? Really? Yeah. Rumi and Sir Carter. Rumi and Sir Is it, are you in my? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're genuinely surprised. I truly didn't know that. Uh, I, I hate that that's how I know that name, but it, this is my truth, Emily. This is my truth. <laughs> and the thing is, she probably really is named after the Sufi poet. Yeah. Oh, she is. Absolutely. So uh, what he writes is there is a special kind of hope given to those who hurt. There's a special kind of magic given to those who hurt so hard they cannot hope. The hopers would feel slighted if they knew. Dig a way out through the bottom to the ocean. And how I interpret that is the special magic given to people who hurt so hard they cannot hope is that we have a superpower to be able to sink down dig a way out you instead of fighting hard to swim to shore instead of like clinging onto some rock you soften into the ocean and you allow yourself to breathe underway and you go all the way down you let your body sink down you surrender to it you allow it to be true this will not often be an easy or comfortable experience because you spent so hard. It's like if you um, come in from the cold, mm-hmm. you're, the process of warming up your hands really hurts. Yes, it does. Man. This is coming in from the cold, allowing yourself to live in your body as it is. Oh. And it's a kind of magical experience that people who haven't had to fight for everything will never get to experience. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. It's not always fun. But on the other side of it is access to sexuality like you've never known before. Emily, that was a powerful. Emily that was powerful. Had a triple double today's love hour. That Very was few triple doubles. People had like thirty point games. You went for thirty five, twenty, and ten. I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> <laughs> that was powerful because um, number one, <laughs> the exhausting. Was it a sport? Part, yes. <laughs> It was a sports Okay. <laughs> it's basketball. <laughs> sports ball. Sports ball. She said, I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> felt like ball. a compliment. It was a compliment. It was definitely it a compliment. It means you had an overall great episode in more areas than one. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I Yay, mean, you have, this you. is just like, I, this probably, it's hard for even me and Melissa and the viewer viewers watching live on Patreon or as it's aired, 
This is so much good information. It's probably impossible to take it in at one listen. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like each section I could probably listen to, you know what I mean? Over and over to make sure I got all that because there's so much that like it's kind of like we as kids, we were taught milk does a body good. Right. And we didn't realize that that was paid for by dairy farmers Mm -hmm. to help milk production. We really believed it was a like a. Even our parents believe your it. parents, doctors, teachers, everyone who tells you things are right, tells you you should drink your milk to yeah. have strong bones and fight against osteoporosis. Later on, you grow up and realize, oh, this is just that was a marketing thing. Yeah. Like what? To this day, even though I know better, I still see a gallon of whole milk red in the grocery store. And I'm like, if I drink that, it'll help my bones. Oh, I Not sing that, the jingle. The literal. Yes. I remember the song. Not that black people are people lactose intolerant, that milk is, you know what I mean? All <laughs> this stuff that we've learned after. I still am like, milk doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it, so imagine that with sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. You literally know, everything that we're taught in the mainstream, literally everything is wrong. Right. So wow. like, and most people are, with 36? Yeah. Just figuring this yeah. out like you may have been taught a wrong way or yeah. the, the the way our minds about sex is shaped is based off pre-victorian area porn yeah what mm-hmm. you know what i mean because i was reading about the greek like greek sex was totally different totally different totally di- what was masculine feminine they had orgies they was out here totally yep different and how many genders are there depends what culture even you're matter. in even in game of thrones man my boy um if you watch game of thrones you'll get this uh pedro pascal oberin so he was. It's okay. I'm gonna get there. He was Emily super masculine. Doesn't watch Game of. I love you. Amy, Emily's too busy to keep it up on shows. <laughs> but in this culture, you. there was no line between sexuality between men and women. It didn't make you like strong or weak. So he was a great warrior, and he had sex with men and women. Like in certain cultures, sex is different. Certain religions like mm-hmm. are more free. So so much of this is shaped by forces that are outside of your control. And I feel empowered for myself and Melissa because I have to do work as well to under to to to, to kind of tear away all that that was pre built and kind of rewire to you know what is right for myself and for Melissa because there's some stuff that I'd be like nope can't do that because I'm a man but what if you like it what if you like it yeah and it's like who is also who's gonna see you <laughs> what is this fear that if I like this somehow my friends will find you know what I mean like I don't know if anybody else has it but in the back of my mind it's like what if people found out that what Melissa did to me it was what if they knew it when she did I like it you know what I mean <laughs> what if I even allowed my own self yeah. to enjoy something that I feel like I shouldn't enjoy exactly. like that is a scary thought mm-hmm. and it's like you know but like who's even gonna know this is happening you yeah. know what I mean so um, I said all that to say there's so much stuff that you've even helped me with. You know, I'm, I know Melissa, why she's has a girl crush on you, author. She has so many author crushes, but you're at the top of the, top of the list. Um, but now I see why, because there's so much about it that feels daunting, but you don't, you don't not only offer hope, you offer a plan of like, here's what you do. Like even the thing that you said about your breaks are your breaks. You mm-hmm. can't necessarily change that. You can. You just have to work with it. That is a, such a strong revelation. It's like we, we, me and Melissa grew up with parents who didn't have a lot of money. First cars were hoopties. 
So you can't fix it. You just know that if you want to turn this car on, you got to hit this three times and then hold the gas in yes. the middle. And Another then it will turn analogy. on. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. So that's what you I thought of. You work with what you have. You work with what you have. You can't either have money or knowledge, but you learn how to make your car work. You know what I'm saying? Melissa's first car did not go up hills. Mm -hmm. So what we did is looked at a map to get to this church. We went this way exactly. and came down the hill, parked this way. Yes. And then when we left, we went down the hill. Mm -hmm. Right? So that is more empowering exactly. than feeling fearful of like, well, it doesn't go up hills, so we should just never drive it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... You know, you work with what you got and you learned your body, you learn your partner's body, you learn all that. And it's my last thing because I've been quiet for a long time. Sometimes it just sucks. That yeah. one experience might not work out. Okay, your your break was tapped. Don't criticize or judge it. Move move on. Because mm -hmm. it is really when you dwell on it that it becomes like a thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then you can't get your mind out of it. And then the whole experience is lost. And then you're a bad person. Your sex. Your husband's going to cheat on you. You're going to watch porn. You're going to go there. Whatever mm -hmm. you tell yourself, all that comes cascading down 100%. so quickly. And if you don't give power to it, then it, it, it doesn't always have to. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So those are some of the things I learned. And I'm normal. Mm-hmm. One and of the things normal. I say a lot is that confidence comes from knowing what is true, like knowing you've got a sensitive break, you can be confident, like this is just a thing that is true about me. But joy is the hard part, and that is loving what is true. Even if it's not what you were taught should be true, even if it's not what you wish were true, loving the hell out of it anyway. There's an author named Brittany Cooper. She wrote a wonderful book called Eloquent Rage. She says that joy is when you are resonant with your purpose. Mm. Which for me feels a lot like the same thing of loving what is true. Like, here's who I am. Here's why I am yeah. who I am. And I want to, like, be resonant with my purpose yeah. instead of fighting it. It is so exhausting to think that you are broken and therefore you work against who you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, this is who I am. Yeah. And I just have to learn... Um, techniques, tricks, tricks, whatever that work well with who I am instead of trying to change that. Let me reframe that. Okay, instead of me. I need tips, tricks to work with who I am, I need to turn toward who I am and embrace it with love and compassion because I have spent all these years fighting against it. So good. Beating the shit out of it. Yes. Mm -hmm. This part of me needs the most love right now, the most kindness. Aww. It needs to be listened to and held like a child who has been told that they did something wrong to be reassured that they are welcome mm -hmm. as they are right now wow that's such a good visual because that, that just good. happened to my son he had lost um uh, a switch nintendo switch oh yeah oh i know what a switch oh, is okay i thought you were like oh, <laughs> but like, to, to like a 13 year old boy oh, to my, lose oh, oh, my. and he's lost what he left one in the backpack because we travel a lot he lost one so oh the other day, he 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 had lost one. He had lost an old one, but found an old one that was lost. Right. So he tells me he's like, "Daddy, I want to talk to you." And then he's like, "Never mind, I'll mm -hmm. tell mommy." And then he tells Melissa, and then she comes and talks to me, and we weren't even going to get in, in trouble. Like he wasn't even in trouble because we recognize they travel more than the average child. You know what I mean? So it's, it's extenuating circumstances. Yeah. So we give them a little more grace than we would if they just never went anywhere. So. When he was expecting to be yelled at or fussed at or punished and was instead met with love and it's okay mm -hmm. and we're glad that you told us, he crumbled up like, sure man, because he, he was expecting it. anger. And we're yeah. like, hey, man, it's okay. Look at the bright side. You found it. And I feel like that's what you're saying yes. you have to do to yourself. I have to do to myself. Like, 
instead of beating yourself up and expecting the worst from your partner, like just turn in and, and like hug that. Like it's really going to be okay. The mm-hmm. switch is $200. What's more important is that you feel comfortable. This is what me and Melissa were trying that's to impress. That's trust. That's are you there for me? Mm-hmm. I want you to feel comfortable that mm-hmm. even when you think you're going to get in trouble, you, could you still can come. come and talk to us mm-hmm. and you'll be surprised. That, and then a lot of times that they've expected us to go ham on them, we 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 are well, we meet them with love yeah. because we don't want them to ever be in a situation where they feel like I I can't you have talk to hide it. I would rather just like well shoot I got to tell my mom and dad I don't know how they're gonna swing it but you know what I mean if you beat them with that too much they'll just lie or you know because yeah. God forbid they really need to tell me something they're not gonna feel comfortable doing that mm-hmm. and that same thing applies to my wife you know what I mean um, so that was really great. Mm-hmm. Really great. I'm glad you came. One last thing, can I oh, say? Oh, of yeah. course. I was just going to say, I'm leaving the floor to you to yes. give your last bits. The thing I'm asked about most often is how do couples sustain a strong sexual connection over the long term? Yeah. And the model for what great sex in the long term looks like has nothing to do with what our fantasy is. In the research, what we find is these couples have two things in common. One, they're really good friends. Specifically, they trust each other totally they're there for each other and the second is they prioritize sex they decide that it matters for their relationship that they stop doing all the other things they could be doing kids to take care of work to do other people to pay attention to family members sometimes you do just want to just like watch game of thrones and then go to sleep right (laughs) but it matters for their relationship that they cordon off time when what they do is they put their body in the bed they let their skin touch their partner's skin and their body goes all right i like this person Mm -hmm. i like this and when you show up to the party that way, when you allow yourself to play with this person that you trust and love, it reinforces the bond between you so that the next time you get to like, it's you know Saturday at three o'clock, you, me in the red underwear, let's do this. You're like, every time I do this, no matter how I feel, like putting the last of the toys in the toy box, putting the last dishes in the dishwasher, tromping up the stairs, here we go. And then, but you know that like, when you get there, you're gonna be so glad that you did. That's what great sex looks like in the long term. That is something no one has ever said to us. I haven't heard that anywhere else. I but love that, that makes the most sense because after your kids grow up and move out, hopefully you you have your friendship, friendship and trust. I can see you wanting to go to the next level with that person. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that, the more difficult that's going to be and how that weighs on you year after year you feel like you trust them it's just like you're slowly floating away from each other you know what mm-hmm. i mean so leaning in and and you know even this like scheduling sex feels like a stigma like yeah, because right? in movies you're taught good sex it should be is spontaneous. spontaneous always should be spontaneous yeah nothing that's... hardly anything even eating isn't spontaneous you have right. to decide nothing I'm that matters in my life happens unless it's in my calendar right so why not we are busy yes 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 (laughs) like and that's even for me like i've internalized spontaneity is good good sex oh you didn't even know we came in there i didn't know what was gonna happen you know what i mean like but that's because in movies they busted we talked about this in the love hour tour last year or the year before last in the movies you bust in the house and rip shirts off and stuff but even that scene was scheduled Yes. It was on a call sheet. They had makeup two hours ahead of time so that you could shoot that scene. Even the spontaneous sex scene that we think is real is scheduled. Even in a porn. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Porn sex is like 
NASCAR driving. There's a pit crew. Yeah. There's a professionals on a closed course. Yes. There's a professional. That's actually on a, a good point. We had a porn uh, star on um, uh, Aska, and she was like, "There, it is work. It yeah. is the same way you go and and we work construction. I this is yeah. my work, and there's you know what I mean, like, but because we are human, we fall into the fantasy that what happens in movies is real, what happens in porn is real, what happens in Fifty Shades of Grey is whatever it is. And if I can't do that, then I'm not doing it right. Those people who have extraordinary sex, one of the key things they unlearn is this idea that sex is supposed to be natural and spontaneous and easy instead of Mm. a project and effortful. But when you're dating and in the hot and heavy falling in love, you do a lot of preparation, right? You absolutely do. So if you just do continue to do that much work in order to create a context where sex happens throughout your relationship sex and there will be times when sex is not a priority yeah that is normal too like don't beat yourselves up Mm -hmm. if there are times when it just drops off the radar because sometimes life happens Mm -hmm. and then you like put it back on the schedule and you remember the sorts of things that your partner needs in order to create a context i require a long runway these days because i'm stressed out i need to know a week in advance (laughs) what's gonna happen so that i can make sure i'm in the right state of mind when the moment comes ebony and ivory emily ebony i'm ebony you ivory child we the same uh um okay i you have answered every question i've ever had that i wanted to ask you in life uh yeah that was fantastic do you have any other last words you wanted to say any messages that you like to get across to your audience that that maybe we haven't hit especially where to follow you find you and yes and then yes uh, so the books are available everywhere you want to buy a book. The first one is Come As You Are. Highly, well, Actually, I recommend both of her books, but I highly recommend this one. And there's a workbook if you don't want to read like all the science and stuff. It's just worksheet after worksheet of how to apply this stuff in your life. Uh, and the second book that I wrote with my sister is called Burnout. Yes. And it's for people, especially women, who feel overwhelmed and exhausted by everything they have to do and still worry that they are not doing enough. Mm-hmm. Really great book. If human giver syndrome, if being a <laughs> giver resonated with you, that's where you find that stuff is in burnout. Um, I don't really use social media to do like businessy things, but I'm at E. Nagoski, first initial, last name on Instagram. Um, because it's fun. I'm doing a slightly challenging thing this year in 2020. Uh, whenever I'm exposed to a Me Too story, I'm posting mm-hmm. Me Too because mm-hmm. uh, I want the world to see what the world looks like through my eyes. I receive a lot of stories, and yet I still know people who tell me they don't know anyone who's been sexually assaulted or harassed. Oh, wow. You know what? Have you seen the morning show on Apple Plus? No. You should watch it. It's really good. It's really good about Me Too. And it, it actually gave me some insight into the power structure and dynamic of how men can, because, you know, a lot of them are like, I didn't, it was consensual. Mm-hmm. And it's because they don't even understand the power dynamics they have with women. They are not taught to look at them, respect them or anything. So I now see how a man can have a uh, an experience with a woman where that she feels sexually assaulted and he feels like this was consensual. Mm-hmm. And I was it, it it I don't want to say it took that to me, but or took it from me. But it was like because the woman was speaking about it, you know what I mean? Like it was yeah. designed to talk about it. I was like, oh, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. Men are not taught to care. They think if you don't say no, stop, I hate, I don't want to do this, then you liked it. Mm-hmm. Anything short of pushing you off of, of me yeah. is is consensual. 
and there's so much fear and freezing and all mm-hmm. that stuff exactly. and feeling like you can't leave and you're trapped yeah. and what will happen to me or like this situation will escalate and I'll be in even more danger exactly right. Right. and men are we, they're not thinking like that right. they're thinking you didn't gra- so much of rape and this is me we think so much of sexual assault that we're taught is woman jogging at night right, somebody grabs her out right. of the bushes right, right, right. and that is something that happens in movies what more than likely happens is someone you know, trust, you know, yeah. some experience, something like that. And that's why people and women don't talk about it. That's why people say, I don't know anybody. Men say they don't know anybody. Women say there's hardly a woman I don't know. Right. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's it's good for, for that uh, conversation. It, it shed a lot of light into the way men think. So rather than end on a dark note, because I could go like way further into the darkness on that one. But uh, so the short way to talk about this stuff that I've come up since Come As You Are was published is, Mm -hmm. did you know people believe you more when the things you say rhyme? No. It turns out they remember it better and they believe you more if it rhymes. So here it is. Pleasure is the measure. Pleasure is the measure measure of sexual well-being. It's not how much you crave it. It's not how often you do it, who you do with, where you do it. Even whether or not you have an orgasm, it's whether or not you like the sex you are having. If you are having fun, you are doing it right. I do believe you more. Pleasure's the measure. Dr. Seuss. That was really good, too. I could go off on a whole other tangent on that. And I could make a lot of things that, that rhyme. Was really Titties good. are the liddies. All right, we're done here. Breast are thank the best. You, um, <laughs> thank you so much, Dr. Emily Nagowski, for joining us here today and having such a rich, thorough conversation. I pray and hope that um, you, my audience members, have gotten something out of this. I know I have. Me too. If you have not, please make sure that you are following um, Emily. She actually reposted something oh. from sexologist Shamira not that long ago when um, T.I. did something. And I was like, two of my faves in one spot. I'm going to explode um so make sure make that you that. i know so make sure that you are following her make sure that you pick up um her both of her books if you are in premarital counseling do not say i do without reading come as you are that is a mandate from me myself who has no power but i have just hereby anointed myself <laughs> the power to tell you do not walk down that aisle until you have a full understanding of your sexual being and that book provides so much insight and information i'm sure you don't know um i think that's it in the meantime between time make sure you go to the lovehour.com we are still accepting registration for the love hour um conference coming in july of this year child because we officially in 2020 and um i will also be announcing my 14 days of love in february to include a giveaway I just got the graphic for it last night and I'm so excited. Okay, that's it. That's all. Thank you guys so much. Until the next time. Bye. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. 
CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.